0: This is the Los Angeles City Cast with Danielle Alvare, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, welcome into the Los Angeles City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvare, wishing you a happy Monday as always and hoping that you had a very solid weekend, whether it was profitable with sports betting or just enriching in some other way. And before we get into today's show, I just thought it was interesting. I posted a TikTok about UCLA's win total for their football season, set at eight in some spots, but eight and a half at others, usually mostly eight and a half, but you can find eights out there as well, including at Bat Rivers, I believe. So... Just asking if people like the over or the under, and to be fair, buy a sample here because a large amount of my following are UCLA alum or UCLA fans in some regard, or Pac-12 fans even, and so you're going to get a skewed sample a little bit in that way, but I was surprised at how evenly people felt about this for every person who said over. There was another person who was like under and it was UCLA fans alike. So the fans who have been burned one too many times that have just year over year learned to expect that they're going to underachieve were thinking, let's look under. And then there were people who were trying to be analytical here and saying, look, look at the schedule. And why wouldn't they go over their win total? So we'll just keep evaluating that as the season gets closer here. But I am inclined to lean over here. So of course you would look to an eight, not an eight and a half, if available, and Bet Rivers being a great spot for that. But I just thought it was very interesting that fans were trying to be honest with themselves, and it shows you how difficult it can be to bet on your own team because, of course, we have all of our emotions tied up in that sometimes as well. Even though it's it's a game, it's a game, guys. It's just a sports bet. It's just a game. Well for most people. Let's move on to the local Los Angeles lines. But before we do that, let me tell you what the show is going to have. We're going to talk Dodgers and Angels. The Dodgers hosting the Nationals on Monday in the series opener there. And then the Angels at the Royals on Monday, earlier game than the Dodgers for that one. We'll get back into the UCLA versus USC preview, starting or looking at the defensive line. So I know we got away from that last episode, but we are back on track here. So we looked at the offensive line last time and noted that UCLA definitely had some room to improve, if you will, and that that might be USC's one of their strongest areas. But finally, we look at the defensive line and maybe UCLA has the edge here. And then lastly, of course, we'll look into some WNBA, mostly looking at just upcoming playoff scenarios and also we have the commissioner's cup game on tuesday so we'll look at that as well because we don't have any wmb games on wednesday but we do have the one commissioner's cup game on tuesday plus we can look at kind of what's going on with the playoff scenarios because playoffs right around the corner in august with that we'll look at the local los angeles odds so the angels at the royals the angels minus 103 at Bet rivers the royals minus 112 so the angels are underdogs in some spots but Bet rivers here Uh, Has them at minus 103 and the Royals at minus 112. So you see just a slight, slight underdog. Uh, Minus one and a half for the Angels, of course, being at plus 160. And the Royals plus one and a half runs at minus 205. Total, eight and a half and... No juice one way or the other. Pretty even there at eight and a half. If we look at the Dodgers hosting, again, the Nationals, the Nationals getting one and a half runs, so the run line for the Nationals is plus 120. For the Dodgers, the run line is minus 140. Notice I started with those because the run lines are just more palatable for Dodgers (laughs) games than the money lines. But the money line with Tony Gonsolin on the mound, Mr. Reliable for the Dodgers this season – Minus 295, nearly 300 in some spots. And the Nationals, plus 245. So, yeah. They do have Paolo Espino on the mound, and I don't know how much confidence you would have in him or this Nationals offense, frankly. But Tony's the way to play this. But we'll talk about other ways we can look at it as well. Total for this game, 8.5. Then we'll look at UCLA right now. UCLA odds to win the Pac-12, 10-1. to Now, take it with a grain of salt, coming from a UCLA alumna, but... 10 to 1 is the best odds on the board of these top four teams. There's a steep drop-off from there. It's Oregon at plus 250, Utah plus 240, and USC at 2 to 1 with all the hype in the world with a new coach, new toys, all of the things that have come in. It's all very flashy, but is it actually going to get to put together in the first year? In theory, there's lots of talent there, but that's a tough turnaround for any coach, including also we'll talk about the defensive line today. The defense has lots lots of improvements to make as well. So... 10 to 1 on UCLA? Not bad. I mean, of course, when we talk about teams that could win the Pac 12, USD and Utah have to be in this conversation. I think Oregon's been getting overlooked mostly by myself, but hasn't been talked about as heavily. But UCLA drops down to 10 to 1 from there, and Washington is also 10 to 1. And if you really believe that UCLA can go over eight, eight and a half wins this year, isn't 10 to 1 to win the Pac 12? I mean, that's a better value on that board. I wouldn't look much deeper. I know that. I was hosting My Guys in the Desert, which is one of the v shows that Stormy Bonatoni does a great job of hosting, and I was hosting last week, had Pamela Maldonado on, who I'm excited to get on in the coming weeks here to do a Pac-12 preview overall for the Los Angeles CityCast, so look forward to that in the next couple weeks here. But when we talked about the Pac-12 last week on My Guys in the Desert, she picked out Oregon State. Now, not necessarily to win the Pac-12, <laughs> let's not get crazy but to go over their win total and just kind of thought they might be a little sleeper in this action and they're sitting at 33 to 1. So, there you have it. And as far as USC, as we said, they're sitting at plus 200 to win it all And in their first game, September 3rd, hosting Rice, minus 35 and a half. Total for that one 64 and a half. You can find all those odds and so much more at BetRivers Sportsbook and BetRivers Sportsbook is also serving up some big wins with our new weekly profit boost on all tennis wagers. Again, Pamela Maldonado, good tennis follow. Visit BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers Sportsbook app every Wednesday to receive a 20% profit boost on any tennis wager. And now you can even stream your favorite tennis players right from the BetRivers app. Heat up your summer with the Bet River Sportsbook app. It's a whole new game. We'd love to see it. And notice that I will shout out other handicappers that actually cover sports. This is, I, I will not pretend to be good at handicapping tennis. There's just, I, honestly, the rules. I don't, I don't even know all the rules sometimes. How many sets, how many matches, it's a lot for me. So definitely know what you're good at. That's a good just sports betting rule in general. Keep track of your bets, figure out what you're good at, and learn from them. Let's take a look at the Dodgers first. Hosting the Nationals on Monday, series opener here, 7, 10 p.m. Pacific time. The Dodgers won 7-4 versus the Giants on Sunday, most recent game for them. Evan Phillips was the winning pitcher, threw one inning without giving up an earned run on one hit, struck out two, and Max Muncy finished 1-3 for with a double and an RBI, leading them on the offensive side of things. Meanwhile, the Nationals just beat the Diamondbacks, not quite as impressive, 4-3 on Sunday, and Kybert Ruiz led... Then went 3-for-3 three three with a double and an RBI. Carl Edwards Jr. got the win, pitched one one-third innings. So, again, nothing that impressive. We look ahead to Monday's matchup. Paolo Espino, the right-handed pitcher here. It's his eighth start of the season. He's 0-3 with a 3.57 ERA and 46 strikeouts in 58 innings pitched. Now, unfortunately, he's going up against a Dodgers team, and no team gets on base better than the Los Angeles Dodgers. They have a league-best on-base percentage of 335, and they've also scored 487 runs this season, which, what is that? Who cares? They rank second in the MLB. That's the context. So, could be a tough one for him. He also struggled against the Dodgers the two previous times that we've seen him go out, and I would be surprised if we see five innings or more from him, definitely not more than five. I think you could see this as, I mean, when he was against them previously. It was one, two innings. So wouldn't be surprised if that's something obviously we're going to see in this setup. Tony Gonsolin, the right-handed pitcher for the Dodgers, 11 and 0 this season, 18th start of the season for him. Most recently though, gave up five during runs, which was a little bit out of character in five and two thirds innings. That was pitched on Wednesday. That was his last outing. It was against the Cardinals. And he has pitched total 17 games, this, or 18, yeah, 17, because it was 18th start for this. 17 games this season, and in those 17 games, he has now racked up a 2.02 ERA and 8.3 strikeouts per nine innings. 13 starts in a row, by the way, of five or more innings, so definitely gonna go a little bit deeper Then we're gonna see Paolo, perhaps. Does anybody else, when they hear the name Paolo, think about the Lizzie McGuire movie? No, that's – okay, well, that explains the year I grew up. Regardless, the Nationals' offense is not anything that Gonsolin should necessarily be scared of. They rank 12th in the MLB with a two hundred forty six batting average this season. They have a team slugging percentage that ranks 27th in the league and only 75 home runs. Uh, as I said, Dodgers' offense, Tony Gonsolin, we see why the Dodgers are almost 300 – you know minus 300 here meaning you'd have to lay 300 just to win 100 with the dodgers here in case we're newer to betting and that's totally fine as well dodgers run line so dodgers minus one and a half runs instead of money line just winning straight up is minus 140. so you could play that and that would be a little bit more palatable for sure tony gonsolin to record a win now a little bit more stipulation there for him to actually record the win but like I said, 11 and 0 this season and his 18th start of the season will be this game to record a win at minus 110 for Tony Gonsolin. You could find that and that would be even better price than Dodgers minus one and a half if you think that that's likely to happen. As for Paulo Espino, it's hard for me. I'd love to look at overs in some of his categories, but I don't know how, how many innings we're going to see from him. So... Something like under 14 and a half recorded outs. You can find this around even money plus 105. Like I said, I'd be surprised to see him go five innings or more. So under 14 and a half recorded outs for Espino. Yeah, I'm gonna say that. So try to find ways to bet it so that you don't have to lay that 300. Unless that's just your thing. Unless that's just your thing. The Angels, meanwhile, also in action on Monday, 5:10 p.m. Pacific time at Kauffman Stadium, at the Royals. The Royals most recently beat the Rays four to two. And the Angels most recently beat the Braves nine to one. Hey, batter, batter. Max Stassi went three for four, a double, a triple, three RBIs. Meanwhile, Reed Detmers, hey, Reed, where you been? Got the win, five innings pitched, didn't give up an earned run on three hits, and struck out six. Are the Angels turning it around? No, let's not get too excited. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Noah Syndergaard set to take the mound for Monday. It's his 15th start of the season. He's 5-7 this season. A little bit of a struggle. His ERA has been sitting at 4, and he's averaging 7 strikeouts per 9 innings in his 14 games this season. So, opposite him, uh, uh, Zach Greinke for the Royals, also a righty. He's 3-6, 16th start of the season, so similar boats that they're in here. And his ERA, even even worse, 4.64 ERA this season with 4.9 strikeouts per nine innings compared to 1.7 walks per nine across 15 games. That's a little more than you'd like. If you want to look at him over his walks, that might be something worth a look. The Angels are batting 229 this season, 26 in the MLB. I don't think that the uh, 9-1 to that we saw versus the Braves is something that is sustainable for this team, unfortunately, despite that they have two of the top AL MVP candidates on their roster. Explain it. I... I can't. But yes, I would say that I wouldn't expect this offense to continue the way that we saw it in their win over the Braves. So also, by the way, Angels have been an underdog in 37 games this season and have won seven of those straight up. So this is more of a coin flippy one, obviously, as the odds are telling us. You guys know I don't like to bet on pitchers that aren't named Shohei Otani on the Angels. So this is going to be a, a swerve for me, but that's okay because there's plenty of other stuff we can bet on. But if you're only looking for some baseball bidding, there you have it. Stick with us, though, here on the Los Angeles CityCast because we are going to dive into UCLA versus USC football. And the topic is, the, the position is defensive line. That will be the topic of discussion right here on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bett River Sportsbook. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every Tuesday during the season. Use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide, log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bett River Sportsbook. Danielle Avary still here and ready to go. UCLA versus USC football. The category is defensive line. Now, Athlon Sports came out with some of their rankings most recently, and they had UCLA's defensive line rated eighth in the Pac-12. Okay. And USC's third. What? Anyways, uh, UCLA has some has some room for improvement for sure, but I think that they edge out USC in this category. So let's start with UCLA. Their defensive line basically kind of hoping to create chaos (laughs) so nobody pays attention to the man behind the curtain, like in the Wizard of Oz. Their horrible pass defense, like just chaos in the backfield. So nobody pay attention that we're horrible in our pass defense, at least they were last season. They allowed 124.3 rushing yards per game, killer, only behind Utah in that category, by the way, in the Pac-12. So, second, right? Meanwhile, they allowed the most, so last, passing yards per game at 260.2. Lots of cover zero blitzes. Just. Mm. They did lose their defensive line head coach, uh, Johnny Nansen, I believe, to Arizona. So, a Pac 12 switch. And there was a change at defensive coordinator as well. So, Jerry Azanaro, bless his heart, stepped away as fans just about came to his house with pitchforks, I'm sure. So probably smooth timing and Bill McGovern came in to replace him. But more than that, I think that the new defensive assistants are going to be critical to this revamp, if you will. Now, I apologize ahead of time because I promise you whenever there are names I cannot pronounce, it is a pet peeve of mine and I go and I try to make sure I look it up and pronounce it. And I particularly love the Polynesian names. I do. And there's so many vowels and I do my best. And I even asked my, my friend who is of Polynesian descent, how to pronounce these. And he sent me voice messages and I honest to God forgot to listen to them. And I'm just realizing in this moment. So apologies as we go into this, but my point being new defensive assistants at UCLA uh, on top of, of Chad Kawaha. That was pretty close. We're <laughs> gonna say that's close. That's not funny. I'm sorry. Uh signed on as the new defensive line coach. So coach Chad, Coach K, we love that. Uh he also we also had Ikaika Malloy, outside linebackers coach, and Ken Norton Jr. at inside linebackers coach. So I know we're talking about the defensive line specifically here, but just a lot of defensive coaching upgrades, I would say, and definitely something important to note, especially in the college football game. Now, who did they lose? At Nose Tackle, Otita Ogbonyo. See the the Nigerian ones? Those ones are a little bit easier for whatever reason. I remember Osa Digazua; That was a fun one. But they lost at Nose Tackle, Otita Ogbonyo to the Chargers, by the way. So if you're an LA sports fan, he's still around if you want to cheer him on. He was the anchor of this group, obviously. So that's going to be a, a felt blow, if you will. Mitchell Agude transferred to Miami, defensive end. That's unfortunate. Miles Jacks, Jackson, excuse me, not Jack. <laughs> Remember Miles Jack from back in the day? Miles Jackson transferred to Indiana. And Daytona Jackson ran out of eligibility, as we knew. So who do, well, I was going to say who do we still have, but they just had a really shocking number of players enter the transfer portal, I would say. Veteran defensive lineman Odua Izbor, uh, announced that he was entering the transfer portal back in April, which made him the second member of the team to leave during spring practice. Caleb Johnson had announced that he was leaving 2 weeks before that, which means uh, that the only two defensive line pairings for the last 2 weeks of that camp were Jay Toya and Quentin Somerville plus Marcus, or excuse me, Martin Andrus Jr. and Hayden Harris. 13 members of UCLA's defense entered the transfer portal in total since the end of last season. 13 into the transfer portal college football as we know it right uh defensive lineman john ward tyler kianhi tialawi savea edge rushers Mitchell agude miles jackson aj campbell defensive backs patrick jolly josh moore jay shaw sharmar martin and dj warnell we got through it but uh Luckily, we still have super senior Tyler Manoa switched from playing defensive line to offensive tackle. That was huge. And additions via the transfer portal were big for UCLA. So the Murphy twins, Gabriel and Grayson, from North Texas, the North Texas edge rushers, they started all 13 games for the Mean Green in 2021. Gabriel picked up 52 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, 7 sacks, forced 2 fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Nine quarterback hurries. I mean, this is a good stat sheet. This is a great pickup. And we got two of them. One, Two is always better than one, right? We got the twins. Uh, Laiotu Latu medically retired due to a neck injury while at Washington, another Pac-12 school, but then JK coming to play for UCLA. So, of course, not funny at all in saying this because it's really serious when players medically retire. So for him to come back, he must have felt confident that he would be able to do this. He also – it was interesting because there was an article written on him uh, – when he was at Washington and it had a bunch of fun quotes in it you guys know I like to incorporate that so this article was talking about kind of off the field stuff and apparently he also played or plays probably played rugby and has spent his off seasons playing that he actually said that he would rather play rugby he enjoys rugby more than football in this interview that's what he said I'm not making this up and he said that if rugby were a sport that gave scholarships that he'd probably have chosen to play that I still love football but I love rugby more He also is a nonstop sport. You get to carry the ball, which I get. Like, that's more fun for a lineman than not getting to touch the ball. But he said it also made him a better football player, too. That makes me nervous that he loves rugby more. But hopefully that translates for him on the field. And I do think that's a great crossover sport. Uh, Also in the article, which take this or leave it, it's up to you. He said that his favorite movie would be all of the Planet of the Apes movies. I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm in line with that. Uh, He said also if he didn't sign with Washington, which school would he have signed with? And he said probably USC. I liked it a lot there. This is just getting awkward. And also he said his dream job, besides the NFL, of course, don't give us the obvious answer, we know, was probably to start his own business or, get this, pause for awe, Take care of little kids, like a preschooler taking care of foster kids. We love that. We love an aw. Like, if I had little audience sound effects, that's where I would put that one in. Anyways, Latu Latu, we thought was going to be medically retired, but no, coming to play for UCLA, we can't wait to have him. Jacob Sykes, former Harvard defensive tackle as well uh, from the Ivy League, who, of course, canceled their 2020 season. But Sykes played all 10 games in 2021 on his way to all-Ivy first-team honors. Through 10 games, 27 tackles, 11 solo tackles, and 7 sacks. Also forced to fumble. And then Gary Smith, one last transfer to point out here. Duke transfer defensive lineman. Second Duke player to make the move to UCLA, by the way, during the offseason. Also Jake Bobo. 6'2", 320-pound defensive tackle from Tennessee. Was a consensus top 100 interior lineman coming out of high school. Played 10 games as a true freshman in 2020, returned in 2021, 24 tackles, two and a half for loss, one sack, and one pass deflection as a sophomore. So basically, really robust transfer grabs for us. So shout out to this. UCLA, I keep saying us. I hate when people do that with their teams, but for UCLA. UCLA was also ninth in points allowed per game. USC was 11th in the Pac-12. Take that for what it's worth. That was last season. Both defenses had room to improve, but at least UCLA's rush defense was killer. Let's look at USC now. Some would argue, and I am one of those people, that the defensive line is USC's weakest position group. I would would possibly look there, and that's saying something because we've been talking about all the all-stars they've been bringing in, and this might be an area that's not as strong for them. Yay. Something. This unit last year on the ground, 167.1 rushing yards allowed per game, ranked 11th in the Pac-12 against the pass. Reminder, the Pac-12 still has 12 teams and struggled with the big plays, right? 13 of 40 or more yards. Now, USC overall last season was a dumpster fire, so you could just negate a lot of it and be like, oh, well, they weren't even trying last season. But no, like the defense was, and the defense had to. The defense was doing holding up so much work for the lack of offense, really. And really, they struggled not only with the ground, but a lack of a pass rush as well, 21 sacks. So they have a new coordinator, Alex Grinch. <laughs> Grinch, really? Like. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, at least I can pronounce that one. Alex Grinch has his work cut out for him this season. Watch that actually be pronounced like Grinchay or something. It's not. Has his work cut out for him, obviously. Lincoln Riley coming into This is what I'm talking about. We're talking about so many new moving parts and so interesting that people are so high on USC just clicking it and having it work the first year. Like You just think if you get that much talent? I guess so. Uh, They have defensive end Nick Figueroa, a redshirt senior, returning. So in 2021, he saw action in nine games, but then suffered an injury that lasted throughout the 2021 season. So in the nine games, 16 tackles, three and a half for loss for four yards. He's back. So again, we talk about USC last season. Not only did they face offensive injury issues, they also had defensive injury issues. It was across the board. It was like my favorite expression, a dumpster fire. But... Now we have Figueroa back in the mix, redshirt senior. And then also Brandon Pilly, also a redshirt senior, was set to be a big part of their lineup last year, but tore his Achilles, had surgery, missed the 2021 season, appeared in 38 games in his career, and started five times. Mm. Okay. And defensive tackle Tuli Tuopolotu Jr., Uh, Proved to be one of the nation's top young defensive linemen as a sophomore in 2021. While starting in all 12 games, he had 48 tackles, 7.5 for losses of 42 yards. Team high, 5.5 sacks for 39 yards. Two deflections, fumble recovery. Really, really great season for him overall. He made the 2021 All-Pac-12 first team. So a lot of great older talent returning for them here. But I'm just interested to see how their defense looks in relation to their offense, because we know all of the shiny, fancy tools that they added to their tool belt. Uh, It's funny to call it a tool belt when I'm talking about USC, but regardless, uh, they added all these shiny, fancy tools on offense, especially in this, you know, specialty, especially positions, if you will. And I don't know that their defense got as much of a bolster as their offense did. So this will be interesting to see how it plays out. But like I said, we're going to look forward to having some guests continue to talk about how the Pac-12 is going to shape up this season. I'd like to get Lou Finacaro on here. He's a great uh, football handicapper and uh, I believe an Arizona alum. He likes to talk smack around basketball season. So we'll see if we can get him on here to talk about it. Pamela Maldonado, will get her thoughts on the Pac-12 coming up in the next couple weeks. So lots to look forward to. But on this particular show, more to look forward to. We're going to look at the WNBA. We have the Commissioner's Cup game going on on Tuesday. Sky and Aces. Is this a preview of the championship? Perhaps. That and more coming up on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Welcome back in to the Los Angeles CityCast one last time to talk about the WNBA. We have playoffs just around the corner. Eight teams facing off in those playoffs of the 12 teams. And the format has changed. So we're going to get to see potentially more games. Now, last season, the way the format worked, there were buys. There were one and done games. That's gone, which means that last season, the most amount of games we could see, I believe, was 19. This year, it could be up to 37, I think, based on the parameters. So... Very exciting. We'll get to see this a little bit more. And I know maybe you're kind of like, well, the one and two seeds or the people who are going to get buys, the teams that are going to get buys are not going to have that extra rest. But have we historically thought that that extra rest has always done these teams good? Not necessarily. So I think more games is better. And it all kicks off on August 17th, right around the corner. And it's so funny because I actually, again, TikTok just posted one about how trying to prep for football season with WNBA playoffs right now is so hard because it's stealing all my focus. I'm so into it. And I love football season, but it's one of those procrastinating things where you're like, oh, we have weeks until that actually kicks off. But you have so much prep you need to do before then. And fortunately, v comes out with a really comprehensive guide on the NFL season that's going to be coming out very shortly. So I'm excited to dig into that. And that's something you can dig into as well. That was a little promo I wasn't even sure I was going to do. Wasn't even mandatory. Look at that. She must like where she works. I do tell them that. Let's Look at the postseason here. Now three rounds for the WNBA, best of three in the first round, and best of five in semifinals and finals. Now right now it's looking like the number one Chicago Sky versus the number eight Dallas Wings. Now there are three teams, four teams really around the middle that are kind of switching interchangeably right now. The Dream, the Atlanta Dream, the Dallas Wings, the Los Angeles Sparks, and the Phoenix Mercury are all kind of in the mix right now, but it's looking like Chicago versus Dallas, and the winner would play the winner of Seattle versus the Mystics. So number four, Seattle versus number five, Washington Mystics. And then the winner, uh, and then also number two, Las Vegas Aces would face off against the number seven, Atlanta Dream. Again, a little murky right now, but looking like that. Winner of that would play... The winner of the number three Connecticut Sun versus the number six L.A. Sparks. So L.A. Sparks, again, kind of in there as well, up and down with the dream. The Mercury even back in the mix after a win and over the storm, mind you. It was funny because we had Brendan glass on last week on the podcast talking about that game, and we said... I don't know, last time Subert and Diana Trossi are going to face off, you say what you want about the Mercury this season, they're going to get up for that game, and they did. At one point, the game was close for most most of the first three quarters, and I almost looked at it and was like, Mercury were down by five or six in the third quarter, and I thought, I'm going to grab Mercury line. wouldn't that just be fun to have? Then I was like, nah, don't, like, just enjoy your night, and lo and behold, they come back and just whomp. So Mercury's still in the in the race, still fighting to get in there, and I wanted to point this out as well. A fellow WNBA better friend, handicapper on Twitter, sent this to me, and I wanted to make sure I shouted them out. His his handle, I believe, is four hundred one K Sports, and just mentioned as. An opportunity really even live betting really for WNBA playoffs and I thought it was worth a mention in terms of strategy for betting the playoffs because we know that there's implications now beyond just trying to win a game in a regular season game now there's real playoff implications coming into the mix especially for some of those teams the four that I mentioned stick out so this person was talking about looking for two teams fighting for a playoff spot or seating really playing each other of course, then we have the implications. And one team has a chance to gain the tiebreak over the other, right? So if the team can gain control of a tiebreaker and are losing by like 5 to 10 points, so they need this game, right? Look to live bet the over mid-fourth quarter. So tiebreaker win is so important that teams will pull out all the stops to win that game, tend to foul more. So definitely look for this on the teams too that draw more fouls. That would be worth looking at. And try to get as many possessions as they can, of course, because they just need that win so bad. So that's a little bit of an edge for you because there's a playoff scenario that the algorithm's not necessarily factoring in there. So it might be something worth looking at live betting. Also, the Indiana Fever have been crazy in fourth quarters, have been crazy. I've had people telling me, oh, bet on the Fever, they cover, they cover. And I'm like, I'd I'd rather just poke my eyes out with hot pokers, then sit through trying to see if the fever are going to cover for me. And you guys know at the start of the season, I was all about the baby fever and I am, I want all the best for them in the world, but they're so difficult to bet on, but man, do they know how to close out a fourth quarter? Let me tell you, if you get a big, big number on the fever. Just take it. Just take it. It's fun. Let's talk about teams that have clinched a WNBA playoff berth, Chicago Sky and the Las Vegas Aces. So the Sky were obviously the first team to clinch a postseason berth. They're the 2021 champions. They're looking to run it back. And last season, if you can believe it, they only finished with a 16-16 and 16 record. So obviously a very different season for them this year and could be, honestly, their best regular season since 2013. For the Chicago Sky, the Aces have also secured their playoff berth. Uh, I mean, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum. <laughs> do we need? I mean, do we even need to explain this? Like this top five is incredible. It's beyond that that we have an issue because if the top five or the starting five, excuse me, are not playing, there's no offense to be had, not a drop of it. And we saw their defense get exposed by the Atlanta Dream, not but a week ago when the Dream beat the Aces straight up. So this team, the Aces, that has so much money and so much liability for sportsbooks in terms of to win a championship, suddenly losing to teams like the Atlanta Dream, who are more mid-pack, if you will, around the sixth range. So what does that mean for their playoff hopes, if you will? Let's talk about the Commissioner's Cup on Tuesday because it is a potential preview of the WNBA Finals, and it involves the teams we were just talking about, the Chicago Sky and the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, so, league's best two teams, the Sky, like I said, 20 and 6, and then the Aces, 19 and 8. And at least that was a, as of Friday, I believe. The champions for this, now, this might sound, if you're used to the NBA numbers, this is going to sound comical to you, the small amount of money that it offers. But it's great, actually, because it offers. Higher competition for the players to try to get into this Commissioner's Cup and then beyond that to win it to get more money. The champions earn uh, for winning the WNBA championship, mind you, uh, just about eleven thousand three hundred dollars each for winning the title. The Commissioner's Cup winners take home at least thirty thousand. So that thirty k is about half the minimum for players with up to two years of experience. That's a big deal. We can talk about almost 50K that's on the line here for Chicago Sky players, potentially, or Las Vegas Aces. Is it now or never for the Sky? There was a great article by Cassandra Negley on Yahoo Sports that definitely is worth a read. So I'm just going to take some points from here that she made. And the Sky are the second oldest team in the league at 30.1 years. Now, I didn't even need to see that stat to know that. We know they have Candace Parker. They have Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley. Candace Parker's 36, Quigley's 36, VanderSloot's 33, and retirement is all feasible for any of these three, really. I mean, not that any of them have talked about it extensively, but it does seem like a now-or-never situation, which amps up the the odds a little bit more for me as well, or the stakes at least. Now, fortunately, the Sky did an incredible job of retaining their talent in the offseason. They lead in both offensive and defensive effective field goal percentage. They're second in the league in offensive rating, behind the aces, fourth in defensive rating, league-best net rating of 8.4. The only other team in the top five in each of those categories? I'll let you guess. The Connecticut Sun, yes, our favorite stat pattern. I love the Connecticut Sun. They're always in the top in, what, all these categories you want them to be in the top in. And also on the subject of the Connecticut Sun, really briefly, the Sun have been stepping it up the last couple games shout out AT Alyssa Thomas I know Brendan Glasheen who was our guest last week and does play-by-play for the Sun is a big fan she had an incredible 30-pointer crazy game last week and the Connecticut Sun overall have started to turn their gears up for this final push into playoffs and now I'm starting to see the Connecticut Sun team that can cause some havoc and that's exciting And something really that's exciting for me overall with this is just that this is also for a good cause. We love the WNBA. They're so cause centric, and all the women in it are so passionate about their causes that they're working towards. And for the Cup Championship, the organization of the winning team will receive 10K. And the losing team will receive 5K for charity. The Sky are playing for My Block, My Hood, My City. Check it out. And the Aces are playing for the ACLU of Nevada. So I wanted to end this one on a positive note. It's always fun to get involved in sports betting and things of that nature, but it's even more fun when we get to see the things that we're watching actually give back a little bit. I actually thought it would be great if there was a way that you could just like donate the winnings you make at the end of a year or something in sports betting, or at least a portion of them. Like I'm going to gamble, but I'm going to also donate like 10% of my winnings at the end of the year. I thought that would be like a nice way to be a uh, degenerate gambler. TM. That's my TM on that. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. As always, new shows Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now I am personal note, going to be getting some ankle surgery thank you cheerleading uh, on Wednesday. So with that, the schedule may get a little bit wonky. I don't anticipate it to. I think we're still going to see Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but just be aware that I'm going to be recovering. So send me positive vibes. And thank you again for listening to the show. I will be back on Wednesday with more Los Angeles action on the Los Angeles City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.